Uh, hey, Alyssa. Hey, Sam. How are you? I'm feeling, like, my eyes are already watering. What is wrong with me these days? Why? Because I'm feeling like excited about 2020. I woke up in a great mood. I feel like yeah. I have great friends, great family. I don't know. Oh, Fuck. wow. <laughs> this is, I think, the quickest eye water of all time. <laughs> Uh, how are you? It's making my eyes water just looking at you. Um, yeah, I'm good. Today is officially the new year for us. I mean, by the time that these are going out, obviously, it's going to have been the new year, but yeah. <laughs> but it's fresh. It's fresh for us. Yeah. yeah. I actually, did you stay up for the countdown? Um, we were like up, but we weren't like, I heard fireworks and I was like, happy new year's, babe. <laughs> and that was pretty much the end of it. It wasn't like a thing. Married life. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Cool. Yeah. Uh, are you ready? I am ready. All right. Sorry, that was a long intro. It was. <laughs> Stuck at the office or traffic jam. Time to take it easy with a listen, Sam. Is that show you know? A Um, do you wanna uh do you wanna kick this off? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So today's episode was actually sparked like a long time ago, I feel anyway. I was in the walk-in clinic and I was reading Reader's Digest. And if some of you remember, Sam really made fun of me for reading Reader's Digest (laughs) back in season one. And look how that's come to fruition for us. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you're welcome. Uh, And I was reading this story about a woman named Katie Luciani, I think is how you pronounce her name. Um, And she was talking about her experience with endometriosis and how she was misdiagnosed for years and years. She lived with this like immense pain and um and doctors just kept sending her away and it really got me thinking and this was like before the podcast was even out and I wrote it down in my notes and then Sam had come across another thing in a in the similar vein and so we decided to talk about uh the ways in which you know sometimes doctors have wronged us yeah um and I kind of want to preface this episode by saying I do have immense respect for the medical community of course um I do like I I can't even fathom the amount of education and dedication and emotional strain (laughs) that being any like anyone in the medical yeah yeah um so I do want to say that but I I do think that it's crazy how many times I at least have been wronged yeah. Um, well, and yeah. it was interesting case. Okay, so I was um, I was doing some like research um, about like the racial disparity in terms of healthcare, and then started reading, um, you know, some studies about like gender equality issues within like healthcare and how healthcare is being provided. And when you're talking about um, Katie, one of the um, one of this these studies that I was reading was basically talking about how um, like due to social bias women are often like disregarded when it comes to their medical issues because we're seen as like being emotional and you know hysterical and all this kind of stuff and men are taken as being like they're taken more seriously because they're seen socially as being like stoic and not as willing to admit to weakness and vulnerability and all that kind of stuff so um the problem that we're having is that there's so many um diseases that predominantly affect women that are under-researched because they're not seen as being as big of an issue. Mm. So when things like endometriosis are brought to doctors, um, a lot of the times they're kind of explained away as being like hysteria and not, and again, like we're going to be talking in general terms, but we're of course not generalizing the medical profession. Um, But, uh, but a, a lot of things like that, that predominantly affect women are kind of explained away because they don't, the symptoms aren't immediately recognized. They aren't able to be like, um, it isn't as clear how to like treat and recognize these things by doctors because they're so under-researched. Right. <laughs> Which is just like, it's it's crazy to think that, you know, regardless of how um, educated you are as a doctor, that social biases are still impacting people that much, mm-hmm. that it impacts their ability to do their job and like care for people. Yeah. It's really sad. Do you feel, uh, this, I don't know what kind of question this is, but do you feel like you're more respected by female doctors than male doctors? I was going to ask you the same thing. And mm. I... Yeah, I do. Do you? Yeah. I don't. Really? Yep. It's literally so wild. Uh, Most of the male doctors that I've had have treated me with more respect and have taken my symptoms more seriously. Interesting. It's so wild. I don't know what it is, but the female doctors that I've, yeah, that I've come in contact with are often, um, they try to like explain away my symptoms and uh, make more, more mistakes in my, in my, um, experience Experience. yeah that's so yeah I 
almost every male doctor I've ever had I've left feeling like uncomfortable or dismissed or whatever like I can't really recall an experience with a male doctor where I was like wow like he was really he did a good job Hmm. um I've seen male doctors and male nurses um care for other people well like my dad and my brother were both in the hospital for extended periods of time and I saw a ton of like male um employees like work really really well with them and were super respectful really kind really like fast with helping them and all that kind of stuff um but I yeah no yeah I've not had that experience and I think that it's I don't know like I have feel like I do feel like my um symptoms have been kind of like explained away like at one point I was having um like kind of like heart palpitations and stuff like that and um every male doctor that I went to, which was like several, because I kept getting referred to like the next level of whatever. Like I had to go do um, like an ECG, EKG. There's both. And I never know which one I had either. Okay. Well, (laughs) like a a heart monitor or whatever. And uh, I had to do that. I had to do a stress test um, where like I had to run on a treadmill. Um, I had to do like these brainwave (laughs) things where they stuck fucking things to my hair with a sticky shit. Um, I had to do like a bunch of different testing and every single male doctor that I had was like, you have anxiety. Mm -hmm. And then um, I went to a female doctor that was like, she was the last person I ended up seeing and I was like a lot of people have told me that this is anxiety and she was like it could be anxiety but why wouldn't we explore all the other options first Mm -hmm. and I was like thank you so much yeah (laughs) because like the thing is like if it's anxiety is anxiety and not that I don't think that those people are qualified in giving me that diagnosis but if it's something more severe Mm -hmm. I'd just like to know or know that it's not you know um but tell me about some of these experiences you've had with women um, well, <laughs> my, my first, uh, displeasure <laughs> occurred, uh, when I was really, really young, when I fractured my back. Mm. So I honestly don't remember how old I was. And I don't think my mom does either. Cause I was so young, but I think I might've been like seven or eight or nine even. I don't even remember anyway, uh, when this happened and I was, um, I was on a trampoline and anyway, I was doing a back bridge and it, it, um, fractured my L5 vertebrae. And my mom had taken me to the doctor and the doctor didn't even order an x-ray. And I could not, I couldn't sit at the table. I couldn't really move. Like I could, I could move my legs and stuff. Like I wasn't paralyzed, obviously, but, um, but I was, it was wild. Like even like thinking back because I was so young, I was like the pain that I'm in must not be that severe yeah (laughs) because everybody was like just take a Tylenol sort of thing and so I was like oh well this just must be pain but looking back at that pain and because I refractured my back in grade 10 and I felt the exact like it's so you know yeah (laughs) it was the exact same pain and I was like what (laughs) and like I was expressing I feel like very verbally the pain that I was in and they didn't order anything I'm curious too like how many how many um cases of kids not being taken seriously like if that's a thing as well and I'm sure oh I'm it is, sure which I'm is like sure. so sad because like you yeah. like obviously like you have to be an advocate advocate on behalf of that kid mm-hmm. like they can't really fend for themselves yeah you know? well and sad. my mom my mom harbors a lot of guilt for that as well because she um she did advocate in the way of like physiotherapy and stuff like that but she didn't but like, even like push. The, the doctors I'm right. advocating right. for you yeah um and it's funny well not funny but interesting I had gone to the walk-in clinic when I was maybe like 12 or 13 I was very independent like as a kid um and I had gone because I was having ear pain because I have like um uh what's it called like ear canals that go like up and down they're not like straight and so I get fluid in my ears and uh they were like other than this like how are you feeling and I was like oh well my back hurts but like it always hurts and they were like huh (laughs) and I was like oh yeah I've had it like since I was a kid like it and I explained my pain to them and they were like you need to go get an x-ray like this is not normal and I took that x-ray sheet and I threw it in the recycling because I was like no because I was like oh well like this is a thing like I just have this like my back always hurts you know what I mean like it's been taken care of yeah but it's it's interesting that like because I was there by myself whatever I was just like oh but had I gotten that x-ray I could have like started dealing with my my issues like sooner yeah um but yeah that 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 doctor wronged me in so many ways I can't I can't even begin to tell you I had um so that was like my first one that I just feel really wronged by and um honestly I don't know if it would have done any different had I gotten an x-ray sooner because 
so hard to say the only thing is is it healed without me resting it so I don't know if a lot of the other problems with my spine kind of like stemmed from that or like arthritis because I have arthritis in my spine as well who knows um but yeah that one really fucking pisses me off (laughs) well and I think that that's like this is like such a huge issue to me because I feel like so many people probably go to the doctor because obviously we don't know better. That's what we're going to a doctor. So it's like, I, I think that so many people probably do that and go there and have their symptoms kind of explained away. And they're just like, well, guess that's that. And they mm-hmm. just assume that, cause I don't know what your symptoms are like. I don't mm-hmm. know what you feel in your body. So what's normal to me is normal to me and vice versa. But the, there could be like a huge disparity between yeah. that. And I think that that's, that's so horrific to think about that there's so many people living with like, less than health when yeah it shouldn't be that way yeah well and um with my back pain because it was so bad for so long I ended up um getting prescribed uh naproxen or naproxen um and that's an anti-inflammatory uh but I had been tested for asthma and I have asthma and anti yeah (laughs) and those two things like you you shouldn't be taking um I think they're called NSAIDs uh with asthma I, I mean, I don't know if this is true. It's what doctors have told me. But um, yeah, and and that same doctor prescribed me that medication without even taking into account my asthma. And I mean, this is something as well as is doctors prescribe you something because they think that the the benefit is better. Yeah, than, yeah, always the risk, which I, I, I agree with for sure, especially like with side effects and stuff like that. But um, I would be going up the stairs and I couldn't breathe and I would just be sitting there and just being like, like and for like years and my mom was like something is wrong here like you're not usually like this and I stopped taking the naproxen and it went away I was just thinking while you're telling that story about how many times like I've been prescribed something and they didn't tell me anything about that drug Mm. and it, it hasn't been until like very, very recently, like honestly within the past year that I've actually gone and looked up these things myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like from what I gather from talking to Americans and stuff like that, a lot of Americans are more likely to go and research things themselves because like obviously health free healthcare is like a thing in Canada. So I think we just like have such just like unrelenting trust. But I for the longest time never looked up side effects and so when it came to like my birth control I had been on birth control for several years um and when I went to go look up the side effects finally of that I was like holy fuck like this is so much of what I'm dealing with Mm -hmm. um and one time I had been I get like incredibly bad anxiety when I go to the dentist I fucking hate it Mm -hmm. um and uh this doctor had prescribed me some something to relax me basically um but when I went to go look up this thing, it said like, don't take if you've like drinking any, like drank any kind of citrus juice because it could like kill you or some shit like, or like give you seizures, something fucking crazy, like some really, really like intense reaction to like citrus. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, why wouldn't you tell me this? Like at the doctor, like why wouldn't, why wouldn't you tell me that? Like I can't, what if I fucking wash this down with grapefruit juice? Like, And it's just, it's, it's, bizarre to me that they don't really discuss that at all yeah a lot of the times I I I just feel like I've been prescribed things so many times and like antidepressants over the time of me going into the doctor for depression and stuff like that I've been described prescribed so many antidepressants where they aren't talking to me at all about any of the symptoms what I can take it with what I can't like when I can take it when I can't take it like all that kind of stuff it's just it's it's bizarre to me Something that really bothers me is when um, I see those memes and stuff like that of like the people saying like, oh, I like I Googled my symptoms and then it's like a meme of a doctor being like, oh, like fuck my like six year degree degree or whatever. The thing is, is like we have all of this information and I think that the danger of looking up your symptoms and stuff like that is that you can catastrophize a situation. I agree with that. But there are a lot of level-headed people out there who can maybe make sense of what they're feeling and then go in armed with, like, what they think is, like, a good action plan. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, I've diagnosed myself with so many things that doctors didn't even, like, think of. Yeah. And then I brought it to them. And I, this is the thing is I would always say, like, I'm just wondering because I'm not. I'm not qualified. Yeah. And, like, Wikipediaing my symptoms is, like, I understand that it's more like a precursor thing that you can't really like put all your eggs in but but then I tell them and they're like oh yeah well let's test you for that and then it comes back so it's like I think that I think that there is a lot of merit because you know your body 
Well, and, and I think that's the thing is that um, one thing that I will say, and I'm probably going to relate back to depression a lot because that's like my major like thing. But yeah. like one thing I will say is that um, there are symptoms of depression that I didn't even recognize as symptoms. And I didn't know that until I researched it. So right. for instance, like I could have gone into a doctor and just said like, I feel unmotivated. And they could have been like, well, that could be a million things. Yeah. But there were so many symptoms going on that I wouldn't have even thought to mention because I didn't know they were symptoms. So me having researched that, like myself initially helped me to then go in and be like, okay, this is a symptom. This is a symptom. This is a symptom. Like none of these things are normal now that I'm looking back and being able right. to relate it. Um, and, and I agree. Like, I don't think there's any harm in that outside of, you know, yeah, like you catastrophizing things. Yeah. Um, and, and also like researching things after the fact, like I really, um, I, I feel really strongly about that now. Every time I'm prescribed something, I go home and I research it and I look it up and I'm like, okay, is there anything that I should know about this or that could affect something that's already like an issue for me or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, because, and, and I mean, I, I think that a lot of the times it has less to do with um, doctors and nurses not caring and more to do with the fact that they're just so overrun mm. with work and and they have to like work through people so quickly and stuff like that that it's like what like what do you do with that time well and things like with walk-in clinics or in the states i think it's called urgent care they what i read in in one walk-in clinic was that they have 10 minutes to see you hear your symptoms write down your prescription print it off and then make notes and they still have to read your chart all in that 10 minutes it's like how could you possibly yeah and because that's that's all of the time they have based on the staff that they have and I wonder if it is because I don't have any knowledge about um the states unfortunately but I wonder if it is different in the states because it's um uh like patient paid I guess for lack of yeah better terminology um so they're trying to pump through people well, but uh, no, not even, but that's interesting. But I was thinking maybe um, they have more staff because they get paid more if they get through more patients. But mm-hmm. but I don't know, because I know that in Canada, um, the walk-in clinics are always oh, friggin'. so full. It's brutal. You know what I was just thinking too? Um, if, if the walk-in clinics here were called urgent care... I would never fucking go <laughs> like, because like that to me sounds like because like for Canada it's like we have walk-in clinics and then you would go to the like the emergency room if it was something like severe which is like you actually going to a, a hospital um but I feel like it takes quite a bit for me to go to the emergency room oh yeah but the medical the walk-in like I'm fucking there every other day just for shit <laughs> like I, I go in there all the time like yeah not yeah. literally just for shit not but, like yeah. <laughs> but like I, I go in there you know like if if I've had a cold that's persisted for an incredibly long time that like realistically it's probably going to ha- pass kind of thing. Like I, I go in just to be sure basically mm. um, about things that like have been bothering me for long enough to like warrant a visit. But mm. I don't know that I would if it was called urgent, urgent care. care. <laughs> like, yeah. I think that would deter me massively. I honestly, because I've been sick for so much of my life, I don't really go to the walk-in clinic unless I know I need medication. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's all that those doctors are for me at this point is, like, a, a pen and paper. Yeah. Because I just need you to write the prescription. I honestly could basically tell you what I need because I've had the same, like, sicknesses. Things for so long. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, so I need penicillin or I need Biaxin or I need, yeah, like, whatever it is. If I have a sinus infection or whatever um so it's basically just like a means to an end I'm rarely searching for an actual answer yeah information I I really already have the answer if it was something new then for sure yeah but often it's just like oh this old this old pal back again <laughs> back from the dead good here. old strep throat <laughs> fuck man strep throat is the worst yeah brutal I've been in the hospital a couple times for strep throat <laughs> it's been to the hospital for it yeah because my fever gets so high and we can't bring it down like 104 type of situation where like my veins literally collapse because I'm so dehydrated and like my muscles start like seizing and yeah you are like a delicate peach I know you're like (laughs) we're not dealt the health cards I'll say that there was one time my mom uh called the ambulance because it was Christmas and um I think it was actually Christmas day and I had strep throat so bad my fever was at 104 um and she was scared to bring me out into the cold because I was so hot that it would like, mm. cut. I don't know if it would have caused a seizure, but that was her concern. Um, and I was begging her not to call the ambulance because the, I thought they would think I was faking it. 
Oh, wow. She's like, you can't fake 104 degree fever. <laughs> and they put in the ambulance, they put the, uh, I was so delirious, but they put the IV in my um, uh, arm and it was like hitting me in the face. <laughs> like because she was like trying to do other stuff and then she looked back and she saw it like hitting me in the face she's like oh well that's not what you want and I was like it's a minor inconvenience it's It's fine so funny oh my goodness what a hoot do you think that like you were then like after that initial experience that you had with that doctor with your back do you think that you were then like as a kid less likely to go get help I don't think I really put two and two together for a long time it Mm -hmm. took a long long time for me that person was my doctor for like years Oh, wow. Even after that. Um, it took a really long time for me to be like, oh, there are doctors that are not like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I just, I didn't really go to the doctor because, well, I was sick of going to the doctor because I was there all the time because I had so many different, like, I was always sick or it was always something with my back. So I was going to, like, get MRIs. Like, once we finally figured out that, like, what I had done was fractured my back. I was, like, going to get MRIs and bone scans and CT scans and then, um, like, with my tonsillitis or my strep throat. Like, I was always in an appointment. Physio. I tried Cairo. Uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I was always there. And I had had written my mom a note um, at one point saying, like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, stop stop Mm -hmm. scheduling me doctor's appointments. Like, I just want – because I I did go through um, a very short stint of – I wasn't diagnosed, but what my mom feels like was depression when I refractured my back in grade 10 and I just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. I was just like, I can't, like, this is miserable. Like, I couldn't do anything a kid was doing. I could just lay in bed. Um, and then finally, like, I met you guys and my girlfriend came and we, like, I got out of it, but. <laughs> and everything got better. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it just became like, and I can't even imagine, like, this is the thing is like, that was so much less. I can't even imagine having like cancer as a as a child cancer ever obviously but yeah but in in those like little moments even when I was um when I had that really bad fever and I was in so much pain I was like in that moment I was like I understand why people just ask to be like I don't want to just do this anymore because it's and and that is nothing compared to like what my dad went through or or whatever right like I I just understand so much like the feeling of like I just want to give up yeah but I I mean yeah that's the thing is that it's just like it's is it I mean obviously this is like personal but like is it a life to just constantly be sick and be more sick trying to take care of yourself and that's kind of how it feels sometimes when like you're on medication and it's like it gets so much worse before it gets better and it's like is this is this going to outweigh mm-hmm. the bad? And like, it's just, yeah, it's yeah. so horrible. Um, uh, 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 I was going to say when you were talking about like have with your normal doctor and then you were like, I didn't realize that there was like doctors that weren't like that. Um, I think I might've told this on the podcast before, but there was this one time where um, I was having like a lot of difficulty having sex. Like it was really, really like incredibly painful. Um, and I had never like experienced that before. And so I had um, gone to this one doctor that was downtown and it was like a women's clinic. And um, this doctor was like so incredible. She did like so many different tests for me and stuff like that. And I kept coming back to her like over and over again. And even just the questions she was asking me, I was like, wow like the fact that no one's ever asked me this before like she um she asked me um if I was like sexually active with multiple partners she asked me if my partner was um like born male um she asked me if um like if I was comfortable with that partner if I was comfortable talking to that partner about sex if I was comfortable asking them about like their previous partners if I was comfortable asking them if they'd go get tested like it was just incredible to me to like actually sit down and like have someone be that thorough that they're like asking all of these questions and when she was asking them I was like, these are important questions. Yeah. Like, it's crazy that I've never been asked this before um, because they do matter. Mm-hmm. And then um, eventually we had done like a whole like um, STD scan, like all this different stuff. And uh, finally um, on my like last appointment with her, she was like, um, she was like, do you feel um, completely comfortable with this partner? And I was like, no. And she was like, stress does weird things to the body. And she was like, I think, um, you know, if, if, this continues like we can continue to try and figure stuff out if you want but she was like if you do end up like being active with another partner and this persists absolutely like come back and she was like but if you if you don't I wouldn't be surprised like if 
this didn't continue to be an issue with like a, a different partner and, and, it, and it wasn't yeah and 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 even that because like I didn't feel like she was writing away my symptoms immediately she went through the testing with me and then at the end she was like you know what like all things considered because everything's coming back inconclusive maybe it is stress maybe it is like an issue and that to me was like it really just like opened my whole world up medically because mm-hmm. I I hadn't considered that you know that could be such a huge factor for me because that pain was like it wasn't in my head like it was no. like intense and and like so painful like I couldn't I basically couldn't have sex mm-hmm. and um yeah it was just it was it was so crazy to me having that experience with the doctor and being like wow I've not ever experienced care like this before yeah just a moment to thank today's first sponsor which is glossier which is a brand that i've admired for quite some time but i think this is your first like kind of like toe dip yeah glossier sent us their um milky jelly cleanser and i'm freaking loving it for me like i have dry skin uh that's also (laughs) acne prone which is really hurtful um and i find the problem with the cleansers that i've been using is that they don't remove the makeup properly Mm. because i feel like if i already have my makeup off it's like "Eh, okay fine but if i have makeup on i feel like it doesn't like eat away at it enough and with like the the milky jelly cleanser with glossier i feel like it actually like gets off the makeup and then cleanses my face do you know what I mean yeah well and you because you have sensitive skin right yeah super sensitive yeah because that was the thing that I found I had tried that cleanser a while back um and that was the thing that I found was like it was really good on days where like my skin was like particularly irritated Mm. because it was just like kind of like bare bones like it wasn't like super fragranced or anything Mm -hmm. like that um so that's kind of like when I would use that yeah that guy for me and that's so important for me because any cleansers that have like really harsh fragrances or just like I don't know like I can't use a lot of cleansers so it's like really nice for me when I find one and I'm like oh, oh is that is that a cleanser for me is that for my sensitive baby skin <laughs> so here's a little little rundown guys on the milky jelly cleanser um, it's pH balanced formula and it has a blend of five skin conditioners it's dermatologist tested it's hypoallergenic non-irritating cruelty and paraben free and it's also one of Glossier's top selling products you know what Sam that makes sense to me I think um okay personally I feel like the halo scope is a little bit underrated but whatever <laughs> it's fine oh the highlight yeah it's you so good. love that product I mean it's just like there's certain products that like come into your life and it's just like an everyday you know and like I feel like that one I was like just bumming out so hard for the longest time I went through like three of those tubes um because I just I would like go to another highlighter and then I would just be like but Haloscope yeah and it was like two solid years I think of like using nothing but that basically Haloscope and boy bra that was your shties I know honestly (laughs) if you guys would like to try Glossier out all new customers will get 10% off your first order on glossier.com slash podcast slash approachable Again, that's Glossier, spelled G-L-O-S-S-I-E-R dot com slash podcast slash approachable. Certain exclusions apply. Thank you so much, Glossier. Today's episode is also sponsored by good old Native Deodorant. Oh, Native. We just, we love a good Native Deodorant. We really do. They sent us the coconut and vanilla scent I, this year. I know. Sam, that smells like heaven in my nostrils. I didn't think I would listen again back to things being underrated i don't know if this is underrated maybe it's their best seller <laughs> but the cucumber and mint one smells so good but yeah then then i smelled the coconut and vanilla dude when you asked if you could have the coconut and vanilla one i was like yeah for sure and then i smelled it and i was like no <laughs> no you can't have it actually no sorry <laughs> that scent is like i need it in a candle yeah it smells <laughs> like um like a beach vacation it does so native deodorant is filled with ingredients that are found in nature such as coconut oil for its antimicrobial properties shea butter for moisturizing and tapioca starch to absorb wetness it's formulated without aluminum para parabens <laughs> it's formulated without aluminum <laughs> oh my <laughs> the god it's wrong with us it's formulated without aluminum parabens and talc they also do release uh limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year dude i found that out this year 
So we can kind of look forward to that. They have the winter scents out right now. What flavors? Well, now I just can't remember. I think there was a blackberry one in there. Ooh. Let me hold on. Let me check it out here. Well, in the meantime, while you're looking that up, they also do um, offer unscented formulas if you guys are sensitive, um, as well as baking soda free formulas for um, those with sensitivities to that. Okay, so the the seasonal women's are blackberry and plum, pear and linden blossom, a dozen roses, and vanilla and chai. Vanilla and chai? Oh, yeah, that sounds unreal. Damn, I want that one. Anyways, enough about the scents. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, but it's just because my armpits literally smell like that all day and I can't stop thinking about it. Like, you know, <laughs> you know that I go, I've been going to the gym like every single day, okay? I've been using it. Yeah, you've been sticking to them 2020 goals. And it's like so shocking to me. Like, if I forget to put it on, I'm like, how do I smell like this? what is my life and then like when I obviously remember to put it on I smell like a lavender blossom so that's why Sam that's why I'm talking about the scent so much so if you guys would like to try native deodorant you can go to nativedeodorant.com for 20% off your first purchase when you use promo code approachable20 that is nativedeodorant.com use code approachable20 to get 20% off your first purchase during checkout thanks Thank so you, much native. native oh yeah oh jeez <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing when you do find doctors like that who truly I, I feel like this is these are the people who love their job and who yeah. are in it to get answers. Do you know what I mean? And maybe they have the luxury of being in a clinic or something like that where they can take the time to explore it. Yeah. But it does make such a difference. And like what a revelation knowing that your body can like basically physically reject somebody yeah. else. Yeah. That's unreal. Yeah. Well, and at one point too um she because like I, I think that like especially with seeing like my brother in the hospital because he was in there for so long and went through so many different types of care um he it, it was it was just interesting to me to see the impact of like bedside manner mm. um and that same doctor at one point um like kind of like when we were like halfway through like the appointments um she said to me at one point she was like she was like don't worry like I'm not gonna give up on you and I was like Thanks. Because, <laughs> like, it was really frustrating for me to, like, keep coming back and have her be, like, it, it's not this. Like, it's not this. It's not this kind of mm -hmm. thing. And, and feel like, but this is still such an issue for me. Like, it's this hasn't subsided for me at all, even though it's coming back inconclusive. Um, and so it, it did, like, mean a lot to me. Even though, you know, like, it's not necessary for her to be, like, emotionally supportive. supportive yeah. But, like, it, it meant a lot to me for her to just say that and recognize that like this was obviously an issue for me or I wouldn't be like coming in for it I feel like um I mean this is just from me watching medical drama shows but I, f <laughs> I feel like it is actually part of doctor training is it not to have bedside manner I'm not too sure I thought it was because then the patient but, will be comfortable with you I mean I think bedside manner can mean different things because right. there, there's one thing with like being like respectful and professional and stuff like that but I think like that emotional yeah you know support is different from yeah from that yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was crazy. The difference like in with Aaron in the ICU and stuff like that, there were some doctors that were just so fucking blunt and so cold. And it's like, our like, not my kid, my parents, like, mm -hmm. but like my parents being like, this is our kid, you know, yeah. like our kid's like on his deathbed basically. And mm -hmm. he's non-responsive and he's whatever. And like, you're being so fucking cold. <clears throat> like it's, it's crazy how like, um, just kind of insensitive people can come become to that yeah but I mean if you're around it all the time yeah I, I it was so interesting watching my dad uh go through that as well for such a shorter amount of time my dad was only in the hospital for like 10 days I think seven to 10 days can't remember um it was crazy watching uh in this experience the more seasoned nurses be so much worse to him yeah and just when he was saying no like stop that hurts or whatever when they were trying to flip him and they I had to I yelled at a nurse yeah. because she wouldn't stop touching my dad and I was like does this really matter and she was like well I have to flip him or else he's gonna get bed sores I'm like lady this guy's gonna be dead in three days okay like that's really blunt of me to say but like I was never naive to the fact that my dad should have been in hospice yeah. even I'm like do you just stop like he's in pain yeah and then I had a um a male nurse come in and I think he was about my age and he was so 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 sweet and my dad was saying that it was hurting when they were putting his um uh, morphine in 
Um, and I mean, you can never know what the patient's feeling. And the other nurses would say, like, it's all in your head, like, whatever, like, you shouldn't feel pain from this. And instead, that male nurse sat there with the syringe. It's so little with the syringe and like, oh, like painfully slow, just like so slowly put in the morphine. And my dad was like that, like that. I didn't feel that. And I'm like, just like instead of using the knowledge that you have from your textbooks being like this shouldn't hurt a patient yeah he was just like okay I'll take you at face value that this hurts you and I'll take the extra time to make sure you're comfortable I could cry talking about it because he was so I could cry talking about it (laughs) because he was just like the compassion yeah right and um even one of our friends that we went to high school with uh had come up to the floor that my dad was on uh, she was a nurse at the same hospital and she came up and was like, hey, Steve, how you doing? And was like checking his saline and stuff like that and just being so sweet. And it was so crazy to watch this girl who, um, I mean, she was she was so different in like friendship and stuff like that than she was in that moment. Like it was she was a nurse. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she was just like talking to my dad as if he was like you or me sitting right here, whereas I mean, he was you know, very, very sick. And I was like, what compassion to just treat him like the same human being that he always was when we were growing up and he was driving us to the mall. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was just so, I think, yeah, that's the thing is like, there's peaks and valleys in everything, but it's so crazy to be witness to that, those experiences. Yeah. Well, and I think that, um, it's, it is so hard because like, I, I understand that it would be so hard to not eventually kind of lose a little bit of that like sympathy kind of thing when when you're doing it day after day and and it's hard being a caretaker like I completely fucking understand like that's really really difficult and I can't imagine having that as like a full-time job and and trying to be still so like pouring your heart out for every patient but I think the thing is like even though it's not new to you it may be new to that person Mm -hmm. and so for me I dentist and shots okay just thinking about getting shots or getting my blood taken I could cry just thinking about it I fucking hate it so much I get so so anxious my heart's like beating out of my chest I like cry almost every single time not because like it hurts or whatever but just because I don't know what it is it's Mm -hmm. like it is mental but it's terrifying to me and there's some um doctors I've had to do like an odd amount of blood work but there's some (laughs) doctors that um were just kind of like an asshole to me about it and they were just like you're fine And then there was other nurses and doctors that were just like so pleasant and so sweet and like just almost like I'm like a little kid, not like patronizing, but they're like just trying to like talk me through it and like ask me things while they're doing it. And this one nurse was like so fast, like she was so quick and she was just like, you're doing great. You're amazing. Oh my God, you did so awesome, blah, 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 whatever. And she put a little (laughs) bandaid on me and she was just like so kind to me. And I was like. I do appreciate it because it does make a difference for me. Like, yeah. And if someone's just like being cold and rude and shitty to me, it's it's a lot harder for me to like actually get through that experience with any amount of like <laughs> sanity left and dignity. <laughs> yeah, like, it's so I don't know. It's just it, I understand. But at the same time, like it, it's it's crazy how much of a difference it makes for yeah. people to just be, you know. Well, I, I think that uh, because I actually have quite a few people in my life in my past, too, who are nurses, like RNs or LPNs or whatever. Um, so I, I feel like I know the stories of how hard they have to work, that like those stories of like nurses not being able to go to the washroom because they just have more like rounds and stuff like yeah. that to do. Um, working like 14, you know, like the the crazy shifts and stuff like that on their feet, whatever. It's all true. Yeah. And I think that I think that there's a lack of praise for the the people who actually do keep it together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they keep their spirits up and are constantly kind and, and whatever. And um, I I think that you're always allowed to have a bad day, of course. Like yeah. that's any profession you're going to. But um, I just want to like send a big shout out, I guess, to like... We're just writing thank you notes to yeah. all these hospitals around us. Hey, when I was in the ICU, uh, there was this one nurse who when I got out, like I still think about her. To this day, I think about her because she was so kind and compassionate. And I had actually like asked uh, to have her as my nurse like the whole time. Mm -hmm. And she was like, "Okay, well, like I'm on night shift next week, but like that's okay. I can be like your night nurse and then I can be your morning nurse. Like I'll get asked to be assigned to you and like all this stuff. And I'm just like, I still think about her and I don't know her name. I can't remember because I was fucking in the ICU. Yeah. Um, And I wanted to like write her notes and uh, like letters and like send her a Christmas gift and stuff like that. But like it's crazy how much these people can truly change our lives. Yeah. You know, there's this viral video where um, this I guess this girl had like 
had some kind of accident she was in a wheelchair um and she wasn't able to walk and stuff like that and there was this video where she's like wheeling in in her wheelchair to like say hi to this nurse again and the nurse is like hey baby like oh i'm so excited to see you and then she stands about her wheelchair because she actually like learned how to walk and she's like, ah! like the nurse went like crazy and she's like thank you god thank you like, oh my god i cry every time i see it because it's just so sweet like you can oh. tell this nurse just like care <laughs> You can tell this nurse just like cares for her so much and was like yeah. genuinely so excited to see her rehabilitated. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's very heartwarming when it goes Aww. right. We're like, this is how doctors have wronged us. And we're like, this is how they've righted us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have had some bomb nurses. I had one shitty one, but yeah. fuck her. <laughs> I mean, there's a bad apple in every bunch. Yeah. Unfortunately. So true. Okay. So moving on from that eye water uh what what are some ways that uh what are your experiences with doctors okay so exclusively bad experiences with male doctors wow um one time i went in to get birth control and um this guy told me to go get it from planned parenthood unless my boyfriend had deep pockets um that was really hurtful is that a direct quote yes yes that's a direct quote (laughs) and i was like young too not that it matters it shouldn't matter how old you are but i was like 19 um and then another doctor and this was actually I'm pretty sure my dad's family doctor because I was living with my parents at the time and I I didn't have like a doctor here um and uh my dad had said like oh just go to like my family doctor and again like I think I was going in for birth control or something like that and um this guy this doctor was like when when was last time you had a pap test and I was like oh like six months ago and you only have to get them like every three years and he was like well you should we should do another one and I was like oh why like I was like I've been on this birth control like I I'm I know that it's fine I'm I've been I was fine in my last checkup like I've been on this birth control for like a few years um and he was like adamant about doing a pap test and I was like well I can go to another clinic like I'll book somewhere else because like I wanted to book with a female doctor um and then I can't remember what his exact words were but he made some kind of comment basically alluding to like because I had like um like red like dark hair at the time that was like clearly dyed Mm -hmm. and um he made some kind of comment to me about like my hair and pubic hair some kind of like weird fucking comment like that and I was like okay well see you later (laughs) just are you joking dude it was so bad and like I can't remember because I was actually telling my mom this story like two days ago I don't know why we brought it up but um I was talking to my mom about it and she was like did you tell your dad and I was like I can't remember honestly because I think I was so embarrassed yeah and I felt like I don't know like I think I felt uncomfortable like telling my dad that that had happened which is so backwards obviously um but that happened and then another time when I was dealing with the like heart issues I had gone into this one doctor um and he was like checking out my chest and um with like a stethoscope or whatever and he was like have you had any um surgeries and I was like no and Mm. he was like you've had no surgeries and I was like I had like gum surgery when I was 11 and he was like no cosmetic procedures and I was like no and then he was like have you had breast implants and I was like no I was like oh my god dude I'm like do you not think I would have mentioned that like in the last four times you asked me and like it was just it made me so uncomfortable because it's like I understand why with like the issue that I was experiencing at that moment that would be relevant Mm -hmm. but it's just like okay dude yeah how many times I have to tell you no (laughs) yeah I know they look fantastic when I'm laying down <laughs> and they have a lot of like perkiness when I'm laying down. I get it. But like I was just like so uncomfortable because yeah. es- especially because he was male. It's it's just like, I don't know. It just made me feel really. Yeah. Weird. So those are some of my stories. That just made me think. Sorry. It's, I'm so annoyed. That made me think of my recent ear, nose and throat doctor who Oof. called me a drug addict. What a guy. And asked me. Uh, I don't know how many times if I was uh, participating in um, the drugs. And I said, no. Nope. Are you participating in the drugs? <laughs> and uh, he said, not even on the weekends? Nope, I'm sober. <laughs> not even here, not even there, not even once. I'm like, dude, I've told you my entire history. Yeah. I literally just told you that I've been like sober from even alcohol for at the time, I think it was like six months. I was like, stop. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't have, this is like, just fuck off, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, t- take me for a drug test then, but stop, like, condescending to me. People have been the same with me about um, drinking because I don't drink. Mm-hmm. And um, anytime they're like, do you drink? I'm like, no. And they're like, so how often? And I'm like, 
never. And they're like, when was the last time? And I'm like, three years ago. Like, I don't like, like literally never. And they just like, will not believe it. And I'm like, I don't fucking drink. Like, yeah. and, and if I was to tell you otherwise, it would be to my detriment. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like, th- that's not a True. contributing factor yeah. to whatever is going on here, obviously. So, yeah. A friend actually asked me last night, um, cause he had thought that I was sober for like two years mm-hmm. and I was like, oh no, like it's only been seven months. And, um, he was like, oh, yeah, but Sam doesn't really drink either. And then I'm like, no, not really. He's like, just like once in a while. And I was like, no. And he was like, well, no, like she was like drinking at her husband's birthday. And I'm like, no. He's like, I thought I saw her. I'm like, that was a Coke. <laughs> He's like, really? And I'm like, OK, I was trying to think of like when the last time you had a drink was. And I was like, well, she had a margarita nine months ago <laughs> that was literally the last time that you had a drink I'm pretty sure yeah it's not often it's not often I think that I had a drink I mean I'm sure I've had a Bellini here or there Matt the, Matt last night we were at um we were at this restaurant a couple days ago actually and he was like you didn't order a Bellini and I was like no and he was like well this restaurant serves Bellinis and I was like yep mm-hmm. and he was like well that's how like I know that like restaurants serve Bellinis is because you order them and I was like Matt I don't order Bellinis that often. I'm like, if this is like your indicating factor as to what's on the drink menu, like I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to get something more legit to like narrow this down. It was so weird, but I was like, I don't, I've ordered a drink around Matt, especially like maybe twice. Yeah. I really don't. Like, I feel like when I was still drinking, you probably drank like the most that I've ever seen you, which was still like once every maybe like five months <laughs> <laughs> because I would always be drinking and I'd be like just get a Bellini maybe and you'd be like mm, drink like one sip of it yeah I don't I don't like enjoy it like the thing about a cola beverage is like it's just so satisfying to my sensibilities and like Bellinis are like delicious but then like when I, I it's just like I can't like sit there and slam it you know yeah 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 I don't want to tell you so let this be let the record show doctors <laughs> I do, in fact, not drink. <laughs> um, did you know, let me just bring up my statistics I've written down here. Okay. Um, in the U.S., there's a lack of studies in Canada regarding this. Uh, black women are three to four times more likely to die during childbirth. And it's been estimated that most of those could be prevented. Um, and it's about the same for Native American women and Alaska Native women. And which? Alaskan Native women. Really? Yeah. Is there, do they say Why? Just like racial bias. Racial bias, yeah. Um, and so the, um, it, it, it kind of like went into the same thing. Like they talked about Serena Williams' um, birth experience because she like had a really like scary like issue happen with her, her birth experience. Um, and she had told them that like there was an issue happening because she knew that this was something she dealt with previously. And um, they pretty much just like wrote her off and didn't like care for her immediately. Um, but yeah, it's, it's racial bias because they think that like, they don't take them as seriously. These like women are historically undervalued. Um, and so they're not cared to as quickly in a lot of cases and stuff like that. And it's, I just can't even imagine because like, I'm so terrified of dying in childbirth, um, that like, can you imagine going to the hospital already scared of dying of childbirth? Because I think that's pretty common. Like a lot of women are like scared of, of childbirth in general like that's a scary thing to have happen or to do um but then to to have to go in knowing that like you're three to four times more likely to fucking die just just because of like your race that's horrific to me like I, I just can't even imagine how terrified I would be That makes me so angry. <laughs> yeah. I was just trying to think about it and I literally don't have any words other than that makes me so frustrated yeah. and angry. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's really sad, but, but I think, you know, it's talking about, you know, um, the disparities between like race and, and gender issues and stuff like that as well. It's again, just crazy how much that societal kind of construct and these issues that like live in our society, how much that can play into all these different scenarios that it's it's just so harmful and so dangerous and so terrifying like I just I just can't even imagine and I just I don't know it was it was really sad reading those studies yeah um just I I can't 
I can't imagine being in that scenario and already being scared and then on top of that trying to advocate for yourself and still being kind of like just like written off like when it's dire you know I just oof, yikes well and this is something that I know absolutely nothing about which is why you know I don't talk about stuff I don't know about but even thinking about that and how angry it makes me, I can't even imagine outside of places like North America and Australia and stuff like that. And yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in, in other countries? Um, interestingly enough, uh, it said that the U.S. has the highest um, maternal like death rates out of um, like industrialized countries. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, but somehow it actually doesn't surprise me. Yeah. It was really interesting. I got, um, this is more so just like a story time, um, but it was interesting. I got really bad food poisoning. I think it was salmonella. I can't really remember because going to the doctor in Central America is like so different. Um, but I had I'd gotten really bad food poisoning and I had to go to see the doctor. But you actually like oftentimes go and just see the people at the, what's like the pharmacy. I did this oh. in... Yeah, I did this in Nicaragua and I also did it in Guatemala because I was like really sick, like really bad. And um, I had to just like translate my symptoms to them and they just gave me a bunch of these pills. And these pills that they gave me, um, even when I tried to look them up online, it was still in Spanish. Like I couldn't find Mm. an English website for them. Yeah. And my brother is like really good on like researching and stuff. Like he's a computer science major and like I don't know how he does what he does, but I had to send him because I was scared to take these pills because they didn't give me any sort of um, information really on them. And uh, he had like had to research them and stuff like that. And it ended up they were like serious antibiotics. And he's like, are you okay? (laughs) I was like, like, not really. But we did the same thing in Guatemala. Um, The air pollution was just, it was so severe. Um, My asthma was really, really bad. And the girl that I was traveling with was having a really hard time as well. Um, And they ended up giving us like pills over the counter there as well. And it was just so interesting, the difference between even just like interacting with a pharmacist there. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, the only other experience I have is in Canada, but just it was it was so different. Um, That was uh, so a friend of ours lives in Japan and um, he said that a lot of the the stuff you just get like over the counter as well. Mm -hmm. Like you would kind of go to the pharmacy, but he said that like everything's like so much weaker in Japan Mm. um, because like I guess their laws have something to do with it. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. This could be hearsay. Mm. Go after Trevor. If you have any questions, um, but, but it's interesting even like, um, in the EU and the UK, um, how different like their medications are because of their like laws around it and stuff like that. And it scares me thinking about like traveling and getting really, really ill because for one, like when we were in Paris and we got sick, it was weird going into a pharmacy and not just being able to be like, oh, this and this, like what I normally get. Oh yeah. Cause I even had to, um, Google translate. A medication that I bought yeah and I didn't know how to take it properly <laughs> I know and it's so odd like it, it is kind of like scary to me traveling and not you can't like especially with language barrier like you can't communicate with doctors properly like your symptoms are what they're suggesting to you to do um and then like with medication it's not the same medication across the board because of all these differences differences in laws um and so is it going to be as effective are you going to know what to even get like and and just like the differences in how you even like obtain medication mm-hmm. like it's such a it's such a process in Canada which is good but at the same time it's like because it's not in other countries you could just like end up taking something that's like so much more harmful to you mm-hmm. if it's the wrong thing yeah <laughs> oh that's what I was gonna say as well um something I noticed too about being in Central America because I I just I don't I can't speak for people who obviously like live there but I just don't think that people are abusing it the way that we as North Americans would mm. going down there because the hostel that I was staying in, um, there were people there who were getting medications that doctors here don't give out. I can't remember what it actually was, but it's stuff that like gets you high basically. Yeah. Um, and they would just go in there. These weren't like my friends or anything, but people that were there um, and they would just go in and ask for these medications and then take them to get high and they just bought them. Yeah, um, I I wonder actually what the difference in like rates, because I, I don't know that the like difference in like abuse would actually be different. Like I'm curious to know that. Mm-hmm. I wish I had researched it. Well, we can research it. Yeah, we can. Um, that reminded me of something that I wanted to complain bitterly about. Um, I can't believe that 
it's 2020 and I can officially say that. And um, there's like so little in the way of like healthcare surrounding mental health and addiction. Mm. It's bizarre to me that like we know so much about it at this time and it's still seen as something that's like not as worthy of like care as other things. I think that the book has been opened yeah. And people are talking about it more, talking about it more openly. And there's certain things like even in the restaurant industry, I know um, a couple y- years ago now, um, there's a thing. I don't, I don't know if this is in every province, but anyway, in Ontario, where you can call in at any time and say that you have to take a personal health day and they can't do anything about it. Like they can't oh, really? fire you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if it's just in Ontario, but I remember it being a big thing because in shift work like that, um, it's really hard to get a shift covered. Yeah. Right. And so and you can call in at really any time and just be like, I'm taking like a I can't remember. I think it was called personal. Per, anyway, it was basically like a mental health day. Yeah. Um, and so we had to start like scheduling on calls to um, deal with that, which is like where you could call somebody in basically mm. um, instead of the other person. But I thought that that was really cool because especially in the restaurant industry, I think that there was such a lack of that sort of thing. Like even when I was like super, super sick, I felt really guilty or I thought I was going to get written up or something like that because because I was sick and it's so hard to get a shift covered yeah even if you call in like right in the morning well and and I think about this all the time as well um like especially with um like the hours of like a lot of walking clinics and stuff like that it's it's so difficult and when you're in a state of like you know um like financial struggle and stuff like that as well you can't take time off to go to the freaking walking clinic. You can't like, you can't even take a day off and miss that pay. Um, let alone be worried about like losing your job because of like needing to call in for something like that. And that to me is like so horrific because like, what does that say about how we treat our citizens? Mm. You know, like, and, and I think that it's, I, I think everybody can relate to like having, you know, a day where like you do need to be off work and you shouldn't be at work, frankly, mm-hmm. um, just to take care of yourself or like, you know, wanting, needing to go to a medical clinic or whatever, like for whatever. And, and we can all relate to that. But the fact that we expect people to not like almost as if that's like a luxury. Yeah. And it shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> like that's and it's and it's horrifying to me as well that like things like therapy and stuff like that is absolutely considered a luxury. Like I, I can't imagine at like many points in my life ever having been able to afford you know a hundred dollars an hour 125 dollars an hour 175 dollars an hour for a fucking therapist no like and and not that you know i i don't think that they deserve to be paid less but i think that this should be like why is this not being subsidized in a in a larger scale well and quite honestly in um canada there are resources that are um um part of universal healthcare, my brain. Um, and my family has had experience with those therapists and night and day. Yeah. You know, and I, it's, it's sad to say because it's like generalizing again, but in my experience with my family, the therapist that I have now that I do pay for is giving me such elite care compared to the counselors or therapists that other members of my family have had to go to because they couldn't afford it at the time. Yeah. And it's just so sad. It's it's like, it is a luxury. And your health shouldn't be a luxury. And that's why I feel so, so thankful to be in, in Canada and to be a Canadian. Because, like, it's a luxury for us to even be able to go to the walk-in clinic and yeah. not have it cost a ton of money. Or, like, if I broke it. Like, when I broke my foot, it cost me $100. The, all in all, breaking my foot cost me $100. Whereas, like, in the U.S., I don't even know how much it would cost. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I was reading this uh, Reddit thread that was talking about how, like, if you're in the U.S., you should ask for, like, an itemized bill from the hospital. Um, Because a lot of the times it ends up bringing, like, the cost of everything down. Because when they're not itemizing it, they can kind of, they can charge, like, $35 for a Band-Aid and shit like that. And, like, the one, I I think I talked about this kind of recently, how they charged, um, like, I think it was, like, $30 or something like that for, like, skin-to-skin contact after the mother had, like, birthed this child. And I'd be like, you're paying me to like hold, hold my, my child. child. I'm paying. Like, yeah. or I'm paying you to hold my child. Like it's just like it's it's stuff like that that's so bizarre that they 
you know like end up charging you for i just can't believe it every time i see someone post a bill from the states i'm like horrified yeah i could really go on and on about different experiences and stuff like that because i've had so much experience with doctors but at the end of the day i just think that if that things like reddit are amazing for that sort of thing like for like spreading awareness even Mm -hmm. like i and i think that people need to be thanked or I mean, in some cases, put in their place because there are things that like we won't accept anymore. Yeah, and I've yelled at a couple of uh, a couple of doctors in my day. Yeah, me and that cancer, uh, that cancer, whatever it's called, center, cancer center. I yelled at that oncologist. Yeah, and he deserved it. I mean, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's just like such like charged emotion. No one's going to the hospital to like have a good time, you know? Like, so it's just like such charged emotions a lot of the time, and I don't know. Well. Um, thanks to all the, uh, medical professionals that are doing it right. Yeah. Honestly, it makes such a difference. Like when I think back to that nurse and I think back to my ear, nose and throat doctor in Toronto, <laughs> I truly, it makes, it makes such a difference. You laugh, but when you're in, when you're so frustrated yeah, and somebody really takes you seriously, it means, it means a lot. Well guys, thank you so much. And um, we'll see you next time. So sorry I cut you that's off. That's okay. We'll see you next time. <laughs> all right guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you.